E A T H. What does that spell? Death, 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 death. Didn't get around to this one last week, but we must today because last week we said goodbye to Chewbacca. We did. We did. The great Peter Mayhew, the ticket's own Peter Mayhew checked out. He, uh, if you look at the outpouring of support from co-stars, that worked with him on on Star Wars, including Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill. George Lucas has reached out as well. And Ty, you can speak to this because I'm sure you've read all the same things. They all say the exact same thing, that he was like the sweetest guy ever. Gentle giant. Yes. Seven foot three at his peak, they said. Because I guess he shrunk a few inches over the years, as if you will. As, you, as they tell me you will do. Yeah. Uh, he was all the way down to seven foot one, and I still can't really figure out the story of Peter Mayhew as far as how he got the gig. Now he was discovered while working at a hospital attendant in London, and okay, there was a producer that I guess was in the hospital and just saw him and was like, "Holy crap, you're tall." And they cast him in a movie titled Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. I remember that. I I, never saw it, but I remember when it came out. I swear I remember that title. Yeah. What year was this? This would have been in 76, 75? What year is this? Something like that. I think I remember wanting to go see it, but but we didn't have any money. Released in August of 77. There you go. buddy. I would have taken you to see it. I would have too. I wish I could have adopted you. Could have made your life so much different. I've always heard there was a casting call and he went to go. George Lucas was looking for somebody to play this character and he was sitting in the lobby waiting and George walked out and he stood up and that was his audition. That was it? You're it. (laughs) I'll take you. And the, yeah, the producer's name was Charles Schneer. S-C-H-N-E-E-R. Mm-hmm. And Schneer had him cast in that first movie, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger. The next year he was cast as Chewbacca, the 200-year-old Wookiee at the time. And then he went on to appear in The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, The Force Awakens. And he wrote two books, Growing Up Giant and My Favorite Giant. Uh... Lucas originally had David Prowse, who was a bodybuilder, play Chewbacca. Who he ended up being Darth Vader. Exactly. That ended up being Darth Vader. So, and you can hear Prowse's voice, right? Like, Prowse voiced the actual Darth Vader before they put in, and it's real. He's very British. And it's very. Hello, you're with the Rebels. Right. Have you heard this before? Have you heard Darth Vader speak before they decide to change it to James Earl Jones? Look, man, I've seen the movies. They're cool. That's about it. Okay. Jeez, man. Okay. You know. Not really excited about any of this. <laughs> and I know that... I mean, I'm sorry the dude died. You know? He was a guy in a suit. 
Okay. Like, wow. Well, I guess we always will just kill the segment. Also <laughs> a human. 439 on the ticket. I'm just saying. The family. Look, it's, I get it. He's Chewbacca. Yes. And that's the story is the fact that this man, because he was tall, mm-hmm. was cast as Chewy, and that he went on to worldwide fame for being a guy in a suit. In a monkey suit. And the fact that the Star Wars fandom, and, and as the story goes... I love the fact that he was able to make a living oh, yeah. out of doing that. Right. And I'm just kidding. And as the story goes, he... The minute he got done with Star Wars, which, as he thought, you know, whenever it was done, it's like, all right, well, you know, I got my five grand or whatever it was <laughs> to, to be in this movie, and that was fun, but no one's going to go see it. Right. And then, just like every other actor that was a part of this, was absolutely floored by what transpired in those first couple of months. But at the time, he was already back working as an orderly in the hospital in London. Of course he was. He didn't make any money off that movie. No, and he wanted his old gig back. Gotta work, And he was worried that he was going to get fired when he was originally hired. But they were like, no, you can go do it. You can come back here. Don't worry about it. The fact that he was able to have his likeness out there as his human self and not have to live life in a gorilla suit is great that he could walk down the street and people be like, oh my God, you're Peter Mayhew, you play Chewbacca. And he could go to these, you know, card shows and whatnot and and be known and make money off of that stuff. As soon as Return of the... Because unfortunately, I I can't imagine, I I can't think, where's the guy that played Boba Fett? Yeah, I don't know, he's probably out there. He's out there too. But do you know what he looks like? No, I don't. Do you even know his name? No, but I know Kenny Baker played R2-D2. There you go, Jeremy Bullock. <laughs> but he's out there doing the... I was the, asking you. You don't know no, his I don't name. Know it. But he's out there doing the circuit stuff as well. Right? Is Kenny Baker dead? He was doing it. He is not doing it anymore, yes. Okay, well, that's he's too bad. Departed. That's too bad. But they said after Return of the Jedi came out that you know once the trilogy was complete, mm-hmm. it kind of coincided with these comic cons and right. what, whatever else these you know these huge uh productions that would travel from city to city that would cast these uh space freaks and they would just be out there at a table and answering questions and you know there's the star trek guy and there's the star wars guy and there's battle scar galactica guy yeah and they would pay him like five grand and at the time they're like you're gonna pay me five grand to fly to dallas Mm-hmm. Put me up in a hotel, mm-hmm. sign a couple autographs, and I just have to sit there? Like it had never been heard of before. Nothing like this had ever happened. And then that grew. It's basically a little different than a hardline appearance. It's a lot different from a hardline appearance. <laughs> but it's it, it that grew from five grand, and I may I, I may be fudging that number. It may have been fifteen hundred bucks. To get these people to show up to, like, I can't believe you're paying me to do this. Look, you know how but now, the, the scale of that stuff is. I oh, mean, it's what huge. Was it? it is now, but back then, I'm sure they weren't making more than no. 500 bucks, 1500 bucks, maybe. No. I mean, my God, I think we gave Denise Milani $400 in a sleeve of saltines. <laughs> That's Denise Milani. Who would you rather be in a room with? Chewbacca. Okay. Chewy, I'm a Star Wars nerd. Slave of wizard. Okay. Uh, but you know, by the end, and he yeah. was supposed to be in Dallas this weekend. Big family man over there. Thank you. He was supposed to be in uh, in Dallas this weekend to drive in from Boyd, which is another story altogether. Uh, to to be at yeah. this the the, the latest <laughs> nerd convention down there, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, he couldn't make it. But 
you know, by the end, you're talking about a guy that was able to, he was able to make, name his own salary. He could go to as many of these things as he wanted to, as all these guys could. You know, if Mark Hamill wasn't doing anything for 10 years, he could always count on a $100,000 paycheck coming from anywhere that he showed up. So for Peter Mayhew, it's really cool. And yeah, he did move to Granbury of all places in the 90s. And wasn't this woman related? He met a, met a woman who was from Texas? Yeah, I believe that's a story. That, uh, he met somebody here. Yes. Like tall. And she came up with him to the ticket. The ticket. That I do remember when I was doing Chris Arnold's show. And was she a big woman? I don't think so. No. Hmm. She was not a big woman. But he was so nice. Well, he was nice. a big man. Yeah, he was so, so nice. And uh, then Sometimes he... Sometimes big attracts big. Then they in Swamp Thing. They moved from... Uh, <laughs> From Granberry to Boyd here in the last couple of years. So he's following the... So he's Boyd's second most famous export, huh? He's Chewbacca. Yeah, he might be more famous than... Yeah, but he's the Hamill. Yeah, he is the Hamill. I just think that, yeah. El Martillo. Yes. Chewbacca can't do that. But, uh, yeah, he died uh, of... He's been ill for a while. It seems like even when in his heyday, he was you were yes. always hearing about health issues, and I think recently he'd had spinal surgery and knee replacements. And the obscenely tall that stuff follows him around, yeah, man. That's the kind of thing that happens to him. As I've been telling you guys, the world is not meant for people over the height of six seven. It's not. Right. The human body is not equipped to pump all that blood. And there are many that other things. Yeah, it's just, it's very difficult. You just can't get it that far. No, it cannot. That's why they have to have stuff amputated all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. all the time. Yeah, constantly missing fingers and legs and arms and toes. Yeah, it's tough being a tall guy. The ticket. Well, the draft is over with now. It's never over. I know they're already on to next year's. Yep. But I've enjoyed reading the tales of this year's draft. And the story that I've enjoyed most is the Jets' pursuit of Sam Darnold, the USC quarterback, who they got. Mm -hmm. And they went from the time they even knew anything about him until draft day, thinking, or really until they picked him, thinking that it would never happen. He was scouted in his entirety by their general manager, Mike McCagnan. And this seems very unusual to me. Like most of the time when teams get real high on a guy, they'll have their scouts go out there and look at him, and the scout will bring back scouting reports, and they will have a big dossier compiled on the guy. That doesn't seem to be the case here. It seems like McCagnan did this all himself. Were they, you know, because the Browns had everybody snowed. Why, I have no idea. But if you believe the article that, that came out in Sports Illustrated this past week, that the Browns knew a month ago they were taking Mayfield. They yeah. knew. Yeah. And then I guess they were just kind of playing games with, with everybody else. But what's the point of playing games when you hold that pick? I mean... I guess you theoretically could have made a trade and knowing that you would get Baker, but 
Would you want to take that risk? They clearly didn't want to take the risk of of having the guy that they wanted all along snatched out from underneath him. Probably what they were trying to do is play it close to the vest because, number one, that's what everybody does. Right. Although there is no real reason for whoever's sitting there with the number one pick to do it. Unless, number two, they wanted to keep things cool just to see how crazy somebody might get. Right. What a crazy-ass offer they might get. That's probably the whole thing. But but I wonder if, if uh, you know, the Jets, because the Jets were going to take Mayfield, too, thinking that Darnold was going to yeah, go one. right. So I wonder if they just kind of had it in the back of their heads that, like, eh, we're getting Baker. Sam's not going to make it to us, and therefore, what's the point of even going through the motions? Well, I don't know, but they did go through the motions. McCagnan made seven trips. Out to Los Angeles. This like is this, this this past college football. Oh, okay, season. okay. So during the year, yeah, during the year, he made seven trips out there to look at him and had no contact with him. Didn't talk to him once. Just saw him play. Yeah, just saw him play all the games, or did he go to practice, or what? what both, was... both. In fact, well, they had a private workout with him. And I'm thinking they might have had a little contact with him there. That was the last thing they did was have a secret private workout with him. Yeah. And they probably made a little contact with him then, but they were thinking, I mean, every time McCagnan would come back and tell his guys, man, this guy is so great and we will never get him. And they believed that too. I mean, it was like, it was almost like they were ready to move on several times, but McCagnan just could not turn this loose. Now, it probably helps that McCagnan is one of the more anonymous general managers in the game. Because when he was out there on these scouting missions, he sat in Gen Pop. Ah, so nobody knew. Yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody. I wouldn't kn- know what the guy looks like if he walked in here right now. Well, I mean, there, here's a picture of him that's in there on, in this story. But that's it, man. I mean, it looks just, just like a, a big football beefhead of some kind, you right. know. Yeah, just a guy. I couldn't have told you what he looked like. But he went out there looking at him for seven times. The first was October 27th of last year. And that night he went out there to look at Davis Webb. Really? Yeah, they were playing Cal. And he went out there to look at Davis Webb. And Darnold threw like five touchdown passes that night. And that got his attention. But he was out there looking at Davis Webb. Now, the next time he was out there, though, he talked to an assistant coach of USC that he knows. And he started going on about, man, this guy has turned our season around. This guy is so great, and you need to know about this guy. If you remember, USC started off by getting beat by Alabama 50 to nothing. Yeah. And then Darnold came in in game three. Yeah. After they were one and two. Yeah, after dominating as the scout team quarterback. And then upon, you know, getting the gig in almost no time at all, he got the whole team on board with him. Yeah. So he uh, he kept coming out there and looking at him and everything, and each time, he would sit somewhere different in the Coliseum. One time he sat up high. Another time he got a seat right down the bench behind the USC bench because he wanted to see. This was pretty late in the process, and he would kind of made up his mind about what kind of player he thought he was going to be. So he went seven times in two seasons. Yeah, two seasons. Because Davis Webb was yeah, two yeah, years ago. Yeah, two seasons. Yeah. But 
the second t- the second time this year that he he went, or maybe it was the third. He sat behind the bench because he wanted to see how he was on the sideline with everybody. Wanted to see just how he was with teammates. Just wanted to see if things went wrong in games, just how he was as far as rallying the troops go. Um, just if he was one of the guys, you know, that kind of thing. And he checked all the boxes there, too. Um, that was the, uh, let's see, that was, I believe, the uh, Texas game. Okay. That he went and saw them. That was a good game. I mean, it wasn't like super crazy flashy because Texas put up a big fight. But there were a couple of plays in that Texas game. One, a fourth down jump pass. Yeah. That sticks out to me as the best throw that Darnold made in his in his career. Yeah. Yeah. And also after that game, he went down on the field and was hanging around down there. Darnold was getting interviewed for TV. And he staked out turf about 20 feet away where everything was pretty well within earshot, and he could hear how he did that. And Darnold must have been wondering, I see this guy a lot. Who is he? But he stayed after it, and every time when he would get back, and twice during the course of this, he would take red eyes out of there right after the game to get back for the Jets game the next day. But every time he would go back, he would get with his guys and say, man, I really couldn't believe what I saw to this guy. This guy is, has got everything we would want, and there is no way he will ever get to us. Because, you know, as you no doubt recall, Darnold spent a good part of the pre-draft season ranked as the number one guy. Sure. And he was going to Clee. Yeah. So we all thought. Ticket. But we've been meaning to talk about this for just a little while, Corby. Mm-hmm. And in general, we are enthusiastic P1s. Now, between the two of us, we don't hear everything on the station, but uh, I bet you we come pretty close. I believe we take turns during the day tagging each other in or out to monitor the station True. very carefully. Yes, yes. And it is with that in mind that we have noticed – some enthusiasm throughout the ticket guys uh and, and, and part of this might be that we just don't see each other like we once did and we're very excited to understand that before too long we'll all be back up here in the nest in the trust tree enjoying our ticket colleagues but we've grown apart in the last 15 or 16 months and not just in physical proximity but it seems like in certain interests mm-hmm. federal interests And oftentimes, if somebody at the station says, hey, you need to watch this, or hey, you need to be on this, I just walk like a zombie right after them and do whatever I'm told. (laughs) And it usually works out very well. Right, right. But there's a couple cases where I think you and I are on the same page here. I guess I just don't get it, in the words of one of our leaders. Okay, so we used to do a segment on this very, very radio show airwaves called Technology That Grego Won't Embrace. And there used to be a host on here named Greg Williams. Mm-hmm. The very same. And Greg would Greg, Greg. tell us stories where that he wouldn't embrace certain things that made life easier. So this is not like that. Like cell phones. <laughs> He refused to pay at the pump. He would not use his credit card to get gas right. at the pump. Where, as most of us, exactly. if you don't have pay at the pump, I leave. Yeah. Right? 
I don't want to go inside. Where is there not pay at the pump? I, now I yeah, yeah everywhere maybe out maybe tiny towns in in Texas there aren't but I would assume everywhere but he would not do that. Right. He also did not trust the company to deposit his check. He wanted to physically have his check incredible take it to the bank and do it himself. He hated direct deposit. He did. Those are just a few things. I used to listen to this segment with great enthusiasm and always think to myself, I don't understand what he's even talking about. He yeah. sounds so old to me when he... And he was like 42. Right. When he will <laughs> not just allow these simple shortcuts that have been you know, given to our society by progress. Yeah. Why would anybody turn down these opportunities? I know. I know. So this, what we are talking about, getting ready to talk about, is not making our lives easier. For me, it's just confusing my life and beating it down. Because I honestly, and I think that we're close to there being a tipping point, and it's going to slowly fade away. But the talk of NFTs kills me. Mega diddles, Corby. It absolutely kills me. I guess I just don't get it. Now, again, this is not technology that uh, improves. Well, it, okay, th- that improves your life on a day to day basis. I thought you were about to say this isn't technology that we won't embrace because it's exactly no, technology it is. We won't That's exactly what it is. It is the purest form of technology that we will not embrace. And you can say you guys are stupid. You guys are old. You don't. I just don't care. I literally, from the minute it was explained to me, I thought... And thankfully, every every show on the station, except this one, I think, did explain it several times over. Yeah. To a point where I'm like, guys, there's no way this many of my brothers think this is a great plan. Right. But they did. Well... Like, I, I think if you looked at the heat map, you would find late February... All the way to like late March on the station, the amount of NBA top shot conversations there were so many was off the charts. Now again, it was at the outset of it. It was weird. It was confusing. It didn't make a lot of sense. And so, and you had people like Mark Cuban pumping it up. And look, it's all about them trying to create buzz for their own product to make a little money, side money. They see it as another avenue for it. And I understand that. But I just think that we're heading in that direction now where it's getting on the other side of peak time, where it's going to slowly go down. So do those guys, and we're speaking specifically about our friends on this radio station, do you believe the excitement has already passed for them? Do they... There's no doubt. Do they think they made a mistake? No. Or do they say, you guys are going to be really sorry when we're on a beach with our soulmate and you guys are still doing radio because you missed your window. We missed the, the three month You missed window. your window to get super rich from this next I'll big say thing. good for them. But I will say this, this is nothing new because there's been something that's been around for over a hundred years that I still get a headache when people bring it up. And it's something I never got my head around. But the stock market, it's the same thing. I don't. I know. I, I don't play the stock market. 
Right. I don't understand it. Right. I don't know where to invest. I, I, I have all of this stuff. When it comes to economics and finance, I am the biggest dullard on the planet. And I don't feel you guys are too far behind. No. Me. If I if look, dude, if I'm it's whatever investments I make, they are done by some other human and there is specific requirements for me saying safe. Okay? Let's just this is the long game. So I don't need to dump ninety percent of my income into crypto or things that I think have no basis whatsoever. How about into a J.J. Barea layup? Yeah, right? So I can own a J.J. Barea uh, bounce pass. I don't understand it. Well, and that's the thing is I think that I have a fairly sizable handle on it. Well, I just explain don't. Explain it to me in layman's terms. How do you no. own a video of J.J. Barea's layup, and how is that worth money, and how do I obtain it's, it? It's worth and money why because does it matter? It's worth money because people are telling you it's worth money. Exactly. That's it. That's it. They're telling you right now, and it's not going to last. There is zero basis. There's zero meat on this bone. It feels, None. It, I, I, I tend to agree with Now, you. what I have read, and look, there's a, a equal amounts of arguments for the other side of this, too, but a lot of people have equated this to the dot-com buzz or that, that big right. blow-up that happened right. in the early 2000s. And, and to the QCAT. And that it's one of those things where the first transaction, you do make money. But the fact is that once you try to resell, like the person that buys it, they're never going to be able to get the money back. Yeah. Then the person that that initially had it, because they've inflated its value by saying it's worth that much, and then they sell it and make millions of dollars. The person that ends up acquiring it, it will never reach that value again. That's what I've read. That's what I've heard. I don't know. And there's a very good chance. I would be very worried about being stuck with that once the uh, excitement leaves society. And then you're... Yeah. Right. It's going to happen. Look, there there is a peak for everything. I mean, look, it's just the buzz of today. It is the... It's the now thing, and we've seen this happen like 5,000 times in the last handful of years with something that's very hot. Like Beanie Babies? Yeah, like Beanie Babies. You know, I mean... (laughs) You were on the rant propping those things up uh, That's all we talked about were Beanie Babies. With like a guy from New Zealand or something. Is there any other technology that you would like to vocalize that you will not embrace? Um, Off the top of your head, because I have a couple. Okay, go ahead. Well, for me, I refuse, and I know it's popular, and I know people have a great time on it, but I have refused to this day, despite being someone who spends way too much time on social media, I refuse to ever install TikTok or Snapchat. Yeah. I have resolved that I'm not going to head down that road. I, too, will not be embracing Snapchat or TikTok um, now, once in a while, my daughter will send me something to watch, and I can hit play in my in my text messages. Yes. And then if you wish to continue viewing TikTok, it will ask you to install and open your account, and I will not. I've, I I've made that pledge. Well, why does TikTok always, it's like you, someone sends you a video, and then the next thing you see, it's some hot girl 
with boobs lifting weights on a beach or something because like that. Because they have an algorithm. They know who you are. That they want you to spend so the next I'm three hours. Hot girls lifting, lifting weights, weights on, on the beach. beach. They're, taking, <laughs> they're taking a chance that a male... They're capitalizing on all the things that I like. Girls, boobs, beach, and weightlifting. working out. <laughs> weightlifting. Surprisingly, she wasn't striping a five iron. Oh my God, she's so good at golf. <laughs> I think I love her, dude. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, no, I, I'm with you. I, I There are things that you will embrace within the, the world of, of technology, but there are little satellites that you just, I'll stop. And that definitely is one of them where, I don't know, I don't. will you ever get on that? TikTok? Yeah, or Snapchat? Not for personal use. If I feel like it needs to exist for promotion of some thing, right. a band, a business, maybe, but not for personal use. No, not, not like no interest whatsoever. Here's Kenneth chiming in. Kenneth says, nothing worse than listening to old dudes make themselves sound old by talking about things they are out of touch with. Mm-hmm. I get it. And let me say, Kenneth, 25-year-old me was not going to buy an NFT. No. There's so no way. 15-year-old me was not going to buy an NFT. And yes, 48-year-old me will still not buy an NFT. If you want to invest in Trey Young crossover highlights, please do. I don't think it has anything to do with age. It, it doesn't. Just, it sounds stupid to me. There are guys older than me who have done it on this station who seem very happy with it, and I hope they are. Are they into the people that do this? Are they into and trust co- me, they're not watching soccer on Saturday morning, so they're not into some of the stuff I'm into. That's right. fine. Right. Totally they're not fine. watching the Madrid Open, and as I'm watching a 20-seed play up 100-seed in tennis on the clay. All good, and but this fine. segment is not called technology they won't embrace. It's right. technology we won't embrace. Are they into collectibles in general before this? I am. I, I mean, I, I like the concept of that, and I collected cards as a kid. And maybe you can, again, as a kid. Now, by the time I, I was I 25 it. years old, mm-hmm. I never thought about cards Okay, again. well, I can hold rookie Luca in my hand. I can right. show it to guests. I can sell it if I want to. That makes sense to me. A digital highlight does not make sense to me. So I will never be able to retire on no. a beach with my soulmate because I bought highlights of Giannis layups. Right. I, I, it won't be me. That's again, fine. Look, there are people here on this station that are doing this and probably making a handsome I hope wage they do. right now. I hope and they And I do. hope this lasts forever. There are forever. others who play Grand Theft Auto all weekend. That's great for them. There are people that twitch playing Grand Theft Auto all weekend. That's fine, too. Yeah. Not me. No. This is technology that we won't embrace. And it's, I don't, I, and it's further proof Grego was right about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew at the time? Who knew he was right? Yes. He was a savant. Titus and Tate, a podcast from two obsessed basketball lovers. Why would Roy Williams not coach the JV team at North Carolina? That would be That's how he started, right? Brings it full circle. Yeah. Who do they play, by the way? Do they play Donda Academy in them? I think so. They play overtime. (laughs) They do overtime. Yeah. There aren't that many JV teams left. They play like high school. They play like Oak Hill. They play like Montverde. And then he starts like competing against Hubert for Carolina (laughs) Yeah, they're like five-star signing for a JV team. (laughs) More than just analysts and stats. Titus and Tate, listen wherever you get your podcasts.